Welcome to the Martial Arts and Fitness Podcast with Coach Ozzy. I'm Ozzy, your host, and today I had a chat with my good friend Dan Romano, who's a jiu-jitsu athlete, and he's very big into intermittent fasting, and we had a great conversation about all that and how they intertwine and play with each other. Um, and we also had a talk about our kids and, and what martial arts they're doing and what role that has. So I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Martial Arts and Fitness Podcast. I'm Coach Ozzy, and I'm here today with my good friend Dan Romano. And the reason I wanted Dan on the podcast is because, just like me, he's into intermittent fasting. He's a believer in that. And he's also a jiu-jitsu athlete. And I figured it would be a fun chat. So, Dan, thank you for coming on the show. Welcome to my uh, messy basement. Thank you, Ozzy. Really appreciate it. So, uh, let, let's start off right away with fasting, because I just offered you a coffee. Mm-hmm. And you said, nope, still fasting till after this. Right. Um, I actually just broke my fast, because uh, kickboxing. And right. uh, so how did you get into the whole intermittent fasting? Because I got into it doing tons of research. And then when I found out you were doing it and you'd lost weight with it, I figured I'd try it. So how did your story with that start? Um, mostly desperation. Uh, basically, I struggle with uh, emotional eating. And uh, so I kind of deal with lots of boundary issues with regards to uh, when to eat knowing what to eat is the easy part like that i have a fairly firm grasp of but the the when part really uh i struggle with and intermittent fasting kind of puts this boundary up an automatic boundary up where oh it's like uh i'm within a certain uh time range and therefore i cannot eat and so that really simplified matters for me uh, but I should say that uh, I have, uh, as of late, not been strict on it because I kind of sort of fell off the wagon and now I'm trying to claw my way back on. So, Okay, are you, are you fasting at all or it's totally oh, yeah, yeah. you are? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And there's a few different types of fasts for the people that don't know. There's prolonged uh, two, three day water fasts. There's eat one day, don't eat the next day. And then there's what's called a 16-8 so you fast for roughly 16 hours and you give yourself an eight-hour uh, feeding window, which a lot of people call time-restricted eating, meaning they're not going to tell you what to eat or what not to eat, but you have a specific time, let's say from noon to 8 p.m., go gangbusters. Right. Um, I, th- that's what I try to do. Is that the same type of fasting you try to do? 16 fasting, 8 eating. Uh, it usually ends up working out so that I'm eating from noon to about 6 p.m., 6.30 p.m. And then okay, so you're doing like an 18.6, really. Yeah, I, I kind of consider it 16.8 officially, but it usually works out to about an 18.6. Th- that's what I've wanted to get to, and I'm able to do that three or four days of the week. The rest, like today I was just under the 16-hour mark, right. although I'm not going to freak out about that. It was like eight minutes below. Yeah. Um, yesterday was 17 and a half hours. I think it's more the, uh, giving your body rest. Yep. Um, and it's, it's that 16 hour gap of not eating where I, I, I've noticed there's just a lot of balance that comes in. Uh, even when I do mess up as of, as of late, uh, I still try to maintain that 16 hour gap. So for instance, if I end up eating late at night, let's say 1130, I will then try to have my next meal at around supper time to try to get those 16 hours in, even though I messed up. Okay, so you're okay with a one meal a day, which a lot of people are talking about. There's a lot of YouTube videos saying, oh, one meal a day, gorge. Right. I don't gorge, though. I I track everything I eat, uh, just because 
uh, I've noticed that despite intermittent fasting, if I overdo it with intake, I don't really, I feel better across the day, but I don't really see results in weight loss if I, if I don't track. So really you're doing this mostly for weight loss. That was am, your main yeah. reason yeah. for that? I am, yeah. No autoimmune issues because science is slowly showing that, you know, through autophagy, it, it can help create better autoimmune or w reduce the autoimmune issues in, in, you know, Crohn's colitis. I'm not doing it for any other reason than weight loss. Um, I did notice, however, that I am, um, I was very prone to headaches uh, before doing intermittent fasting, and now all of a sudden, uh, that seems to be relatively a non-issue. Uh, nice. Yeah. So I'm not sure precisely what's changed in, in, uh, in terms of the headaches going away, but I was really concerned uh, about not eating for that many hours and dealing with headaches. It turns out the opposite's happening. I, I was also concerned, especially for training when I started. I was worried because you're, you're told from a young age, you need to eat an hour and a half to two hours before you do physical activity or you're not going to have energy. And then... Right. I studied nutrition, and it's, oh, you got to replenish your glycogen store, and before you go train, you got to make sure that your glycogen is up, and you got to carbo-load if you're doing a lot of info, and then you realize, no matter what tricks science has come up with, right. you can hit the wall later using glycogen and glucose and sugar, um, but when you're kind of in ketosis or, or fueling yourself off of your body's fat, it's almost an endless tank. Especially for me, I'm a big guy, you know, um, and a lot of people, they'll do a water fast for three or four days to get into ketosis. And a lot of people who are in nutritional ketosis, meaning they're eating 70% of their calories from fat, only 20 from protein and, and the rest from, you know, healthy carbs coming in the form of vegetables and whatnot. Um, they're fasting to increase the rate of ketosis. Are, are you doing a keto diet or you're just eating clean, quote unquote? Uh, I... I'm actually doing neither uh, officially. Uh, okay. I am keto aware. I've actually attempted it for many, many, many months, but did not really succeed in getting into uh, ketosis, large, in large part due to headaches. I find them so debilitating that uh, I often cracked under uh, a headache state. Fair enough. Um, but to add to what you were saying about uh, needing to eat a few hours before an activity, um, I did experience, uh, most recently, doing a two-hour jiu-jitsu class after having been fasted for 21 hours. And it is very doable. It is surprisingly doable. Yeah, I, ha I, I was hesitant. I teach a boot camp. Mm -hmm. And I started fasting on a Thursday, and I teach boot camp on Friday morning. And I was, usually I'll do boot camp with the people that come to class. You know, I'll, I'll make sure everyone's doing what they need to and going around um, but I'll, I'll do the exercise, if not for the full two minutes, at least part of it. And I said, no, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to be a real coach. I'm just going <laughs> to coach this one because I don't want to pass out. And I realized day one, okay, I was a little, I was very thirsty. I was a little hungry, a little bit cranky. By day three, I did a kickboxing class, totally fasted. And I was like, wow, I am way lighter on my feet. Yeah. You're more responsive. You can focus a little better, I find. The focus took me about a month. Really? It took me about a month till my mental focus kicked in. And now that I'm doing fasting and keto, I think I'm a lot more productive and a lot sharper. And I'm, I'm, there's less brain waste. Right. You know, I'm not wasting time thinking about things. They're just coming and being done. 
Um, so yeah, but so a two-hour jujitsu class—that's pretty intense. Uh, yeah, it, it can be, uh, but I think it has a lot to do with uh, pacing yourself and, and definitely uh, taking in those sips of water, just like little spurts of water. Not, not yeah, definitely. Yeah. That really does help. Uh, it does help me for sure. Uh, yeah, it, it, it can be intense, but it's all about pacing. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but jujitsu is your first martial art that you've ever done. Ever. You've never did like karate as a kid or taekwondo or anything. Unless uh, shaking people by the shoulders is a martial art. Not not yet. <laughs> okay. The, the Italian martial art. <laughs> um, and so you started jujitsu in your adult life. At 40, to be precise. At 40. So now, just as a backstory for the listeners, we met because our kids were in the same elementary school, which we didn't know. Right. And our kids were also studying karate at the exact same right. dojo, and they're still doing the karate at the dojo. And... Um, I don't know how you approached me because I was doing a fundraiser in school and my face was everywhere. We started chatting. I like music. You like music. We, you know, it, it clicked. It worked. Right. Um, and we started talking about jujitsu. Now, here's where the difference lies. I started martial arts at a younger age. I loved it. Always loved it. I always preferred uh, a stand-up right. form of martial art, be it Muay Karate, Kachikembo, which is what I started with. And you started with jujitsu, and you love it. And I do jujitsu because it's a great physical workout. Right. I think nowadays in the world of the UFC, it's good to have a good rounded um, knowledge of, of a few different martial arts so you can blend them. And it's definitely useful in a street fight. But I hate practicing jujitsu. I don't enjoy it. I know a lot of people that are all about jits life and, <laughs> you know, get on the mat, let's roll, let's do this, you know, uh, jits forever. And I'm like, no, man, give me a punching bag and let me kick it. <laughs> um, so what is it about jiu-jitsu that, that grabbed you? What, what made you go to jiu-jitsu at 40? Well, uh, in around 2012, uh, this takes us... Yeah, around 2012, uh, I had been considering more and more the idea of doing a martial art. And a lot of my attention went toward Aikido, actually. And the more I dug in, I realized perhaps it wasn't the best fit for me um, and uh, so that interest kind of just grew over time like this little you know bird on my shoulder just chipping away saying hey how about we do a, a martial art you know and age was a big deterrent you know I, I didn't know how at my age at the time was I going to get into a martial art you know people are usually starting this quite early in life and that was in my case and uh, the more I studied and researched, I realized that uh, jujitsu was going to be a really, really good fit for me. And when I figured that out, it then took about a good nine, ten months of building up the courage to actually, uh, you know, call up a school and go. Uh, just like it became, it became more and more real in my mind where I had to like, yeah, you're, you're going to have to do this. And then... Uh, I suffered a huge setback in 2017. I got pneumonia and was gravely ill for like two weeks. And then, you know, my ribs were all busted up and everything. And that was just like uh, a, a moment of realignment for me. That was just kind of uh, uh, the moment where I, I decided I really need to make changes and, um, and, and become physical. And at that point, I decided, okay, I'm going to have to seriously pursue this. And one day I just googled uh 
jujitsu called St. Luke, which is where I live. And um, yeah, so the Gracie Baja, five minutes away. And I called them up, made an appointment, and uh, just swallowed up every fear I had and just went to do it. And it was like a, a brilliant, amazing experience. Awesome. No, that, that's amazing. awesome because a lot of people want to do that and they never get there. So kudos to you for actually doing it. Thank you. Um, now, Gracie Baja is a huge chain of jiu-jitsu uh, schools. They're well-known. They're respected. Um, you see them on podiums at tournaments all the time. Was competing or is competing something that you ever thought of or that you do think of? Or is this more, are you doing it more of a fitness and lifestyle? This is your, you know, get the brain working, get the body working, give it a good sweat. Because, I mean... As much as I love stand-up martial arts, you do not sweat like you do in jujitsu. No matter yeah, what you're doing, I mean, yeah. it is a physical, demanding workout. It's a must-wash your gi situation. <laughs> yeah, and you, the rash guard might have to be washed twice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, to to be honest, uh, I wouldn't want to say no and turn my uh, thoughts away to competition. And definitely, but at the moment, my mind's not there. Some of my classmates uh, do compete. They're really excellent at it. And, uh, but, you know, that's not what my goal is. My goal is I'm trying to figure out how to, figure out how to uh, get to the next class. Uh, I'm very aware that I'm going to be 42. And uh, so I'm really concerned with staying healthy, not getting injured, um, and, uh, and, and plotting a path that is long-term, you know, so I'd like to be able to do this at 50, maybe even 60, who knows? And, and there are people who do that. And yeah. I think uh, a good thing that we can talk about is there's a lot of people, myself included, who sometimes feel stuck in a movement mm -hmm. and I'll, I'll use power or force to try to force the move. Yeah. And I think that's where injuries happen. And also being a fan of the UFC and, you know, I, I watched the Abu Dhabi run opening on, on Fight Network and, you know, whatnot, uh, Grappler's Quest and all that. A lot of people who get injured, it's actually in preparation for a competition or a fight. Um, so, yeah, I think, what, what are your thoughts on how important it is to execute movement properly, even if it takes, even if it means you're going to get caught in an armbar? Uh, well, I guess uh, it would seem to me it would be paramount, and given my limited experience, but uh, I would say that uh, to execute it properly would imply not to get caught in the air bar. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. true enough, but I mean, you you crawl before you walk. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. You know, um, um, there's there's a huge focus in class about technique being paramount, uh, and how... It's almost as though if you have to use strength, you're probably doing it wrong. That's kind of like my default uh, go-to position. Like I try to pay careful attention to whether I'm having to power my way out of this. If I am, odds are that I'm lacking in understanding of the technique. Because like for instance, in jujitsu, there's a thing called a sweep where you get to improve your position take your opponent down to the mat and now you're in a superior position and these sweeps my understanding is that they should be relatively effortless and and that's all based on leverage and positioning and technique so you 
you don't want to be applying power in those moments. Because, again, when you do apply power, it kind of zaps your ability to, 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 to progress uh, in, into the later rounds. Uh, right. So it, it really does zap your strength. Yeah, it'll tire you out yeah. more than... Totally. The same way in, in stand-up kickboxing, sometimes it wastes more of your energy to miss the guy. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're better off saving your energy for one solid crack. Totally. Now, you're the father of a martial artist. Your son does karate. He does. Uh, has he shown any interest in jujitsu? Yeah. He comes to me, he comes with me to some of the classes. There are some parent-kid classes at Gracie Baja. And he does uh, come with me and uh, uh, it's it's like every little boy's dream in some regard where they get to like wrestle their dad and uh, uh-huh. take, him Trump, Trump dad out, yeah. take him down with a double and you know backpack you and choke you uh, so yeah he has a blast doing it um, and uh, so yeah it's a really great um, venue to learn some of the very basic fundamentals uh, at his age and uh, he's really really into it um, but right now we're focusing on karate learn how to transfer power into someone's face. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, my, my son started in karate as well, and he was very interested in trying jujitsu. And I found a, because he's 12, so I found a teens class, and he's a giant, so he was able to go with the 13 to 16-year-olds. Um, and he loves it. He, and he'll even tell you that he, he likes karate, and it's a good workout, and it's fun, and, you know, he's learning, but he loves jujitsu. And I noticed (laughs) (laughs) I love the program that he's in and I'll, I'll roll with a lot of his coaches and I've known them for years and, you know, um, Brazilian top team is a top notch Mm -hmm. training, you know, camp and angry monkey gym where he goes is a top notch facility. I, I have only the utmost respect for the owner, Justin Etheridge, um, not to, I mean, there, there's a ton of great jujitsu schools for adults and kids and whatnot. But my son will go there and he'll come out red-faced, super sweaty, like disgusting, like just get in the shower, you're gross. And he loved it. He could have been put in an arm bar 25 times, he loves it, and I'll do it. And I'm just like, that was a great workout and I've definitely improved today and I know what I need to work on. But I don't mind if I don't come back for a few more months. <laughs> it, the... What I often hear is that jujitsu becomes addictive, and uh, I, I do certainly agree with that. Like I'm on YouTube all the time trying to learn how to improve something, and uh, it's just beautiful. Sometimes it's just you know just brilliant, and uh, there's there's that aspect that you it keeps pulling you in when you apply something you've learned and, and taste a little bit of success with it. And uh, so that's probably the the thing that really grabs me about jujitsu. Nice. I I would think that some of that's carry over. It can carry over to other martial arts as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, mutai. You want to learn to do a good, you know, a high roundhouse kick to the head. So you start. Okay, I hit the guy's leg, and you get more flexible. Okay, I can get to his ribs. Yeah. And a little more. Wow, I got his shoulder. I gotta I gotta keep stretching. Keep doing this. You get him in the head. You're like, yeah, <laughs> I did it. And, and I, I kind of see that with jits. I mean, I remember learning the Americana was one of the main moves that I learned from my coach back in the day. Because for a good two-year period from 20, 
11 to 2013, I was doing jits three times a week. Twice a week, I was doing it two, two days in a row. I did all no gi. I don't know why. I just gravitated towards no gi. And I remember we really got a good, um, good fundamentals on the Americana and to an extent the Kimura and a little bit of a leg triangle. And those are the moves that I'm still super comfortable with today. I know how to get out of them. I know how to prevent them. I know how to set myself up for them. Um, but, I mean, jiu-jitsu is very much a chess match, right? you got to think a few moves yeah. ahead. And I think that's where I'm... The cerebral part is what catches me. Right. That's probably what's pulled me in. Uh, it's I, I struggle with going to the gym and, and benching weight. Like, yeah, I, I my, hate... The, the weight room. Yeah, my, my mind just wanders off. And um, so other than counting and focusing on technique, I, I kind of just get lost. And, and so it doesn't capture me the way um, someone, you know, someone you're in someone's guard. Okay, what are my options? A, B, C, D, E. Okay, I'm going to have to figure out how to break this guard and I figure out how to you know, maintain my posture so they don't pull me down and pull a guillotine on me or whatever, right? It's just there's, there's, that's probably the aspect of it that uh, motivates me the most to improve on those uh, challenging intellectual problems. Uh, and for you, is the challenge more the rapid thinking of what do I do now that he did this or is it thinking up all the options that could become possible or is it a combination of both? And it's probably a combination of both. I mean, you want to get it to the point where you're tying your shoelaces. I mean, if you've taught your kid how to tie shoelaces, it, 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 it's extremely difficult. Uh, yet you can do this with your eyes closed. You can tie your shoelaces with your eyes closed, without looking, uh, and not even thinking about it. And yet, if you had to communicate how to tie your shoelaces, it's a whole other matter. It's, it's, it's like this whole new challenge. It's difficult to lay out in terms of instructions, yet it's there if you need to do it. And that's kind of the level you want to get these movements down to. You want to be able to just close your eyes and, and, and do it. And not have to think about anything, and and that's the challenge of I think a lot of us are trying to work towards, uh, where it's just you know effortless, thoughtless, and you're you're closing the deal. Nice. Yeah. And you do more of a gi jujitsu, correct? Yeah. You you like the gi, the traditional. Yeah. Have you ever tried no gi? I know yeah. we've rolled around a we've few rolled. times, fun, but I mean yeah. that's that's far from a, a real class setting of. I would say ninety five percent of it is with the gi. Uh, which I do enjoy, um, and from time to time, like the gi comes off, and we'll you know try to get some stuff done. Uh, so I don't have too much experience with without the gi, and um, but I do intend to give it more attention down the line. Nice. Yeah. It is, yeah. It's I, fun. I think one thing I, I really like about jujitsu is you have gi and no gi, yeah. and they have the same moves, but some of them you have to adjust yourself to, yeah. and some moves become like an Ezekiel choke is very hard without a gi. Right. It's really a, a move made for a gi. And then I think it was a few months ago, there's a guy in the UFC who won two fights, both with Ezekiel, and that was the first time in 25-year history of the UFC right. that an Ezekiel choke was ever used. Right. I'm like, wow! 
as a fan of the art, and I, I really, really appreciate jujitsu. I, to me, that was just like mind blowing. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. It's a, uh, it's a lot of fun to watch. But and yeah, sorry, do you think had you gone, let's say, uh, let's say there was no jujitsu school anywhere near you, yeah. and you said I still got to try a martial art, and you tried, you know, karate or taekwondo or even judo, do you think you would have fallen in love with it just as much? And I know that's a hard question to answer, but it is a hard question to answer. Uh, I was prepared to drive out a while to, to get to uh, a school, but I didn't really have an understanding of the concept of the right school for you. Uh, and that's really, really important, finding the right school for you. Uh, it just so happened that uh, the first school I went to was an absolutely perfect fit for me because it's very family-oriented. Um, <clears throat> they put out murderers, and they also help out people in my situation as well, which is just somebody trying to prove their, uh, their fitness level, learn about self-defense. And, and that's what's also really fun about how Gracie Baja, uh, specifically the people in Westminster, uh, they do this really well where they, they dedicate, we basically learn three techniques. And the first one is usually a street self-defense technique. So, you know, how to do uh, a, a double leg takedown, Ujigari, uh, uh, judo hip toss, and, and we go through it and we drill it. And it was just a perfect fit. I couldn't ask for anything more. So let's give them a shout out. It's the Gracie Baja Gym on Westminster Avenue. It's the Gracie Baja Montreal West, correct? In the Montreal correct. West uh, borough of, of Montreal. That's right. Excellent. So give Dan a free month. <laughs> Let's let's get that hashtag going on Twitter. They're awesome. I hope they stick around forever because uh, I honestly feel really grateful to have them around. So you're still gonna choke you out for saying that. It doesn't no doesn't doubt. matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. No doubt. No mercy. <laughs> uh, getting back to your son, do you see him eventually one day going towards jujitsu, or would you tell him get your black belt in karate and then? switch over or do both at the same because my son does both at the same time and I see as a preference but I think it kind of keeps him focused on martial arts which and I could be wrong maybe I'm an idealist but I think if you get kids into the martial arts at a younger age and that doesn't mean four or five it just means you know preteen slightly preteen even younger teens and you teach them an old school methodology of respect and tradition and you give them you know, setting proper parenting at home, that they'll grow up to be better people. Right. Maybe I'm an idealist. I don't know. But yeah, can you see your son going towards JITS full-time? Um, yeah, I do. Uh, in fact, he's already asked me. Um, but I feel that at this stage, karate is the better fit. Uh, just my personal opinion. Uh, I'm not making any statements. Uh, I just like the fact that uh, karate uh, is requiring all this precision, uh, so much precision. It's a, it's a very precise art. Yeah. And uh, I love, you know, there's a lot of physics in karate, you know, about transferring power from the ground all the way up to the fist, to the leg, using your shoulders, your hips, your, your thighs, your, just yeah. learning to work the body to generate all this force. And when I go to karate class uh, with my son, I, 
I'm astounded at what these 14, 15 year olds can can throw. It's yeah, it's scary. unreal. It's scary what they can throw. And um, yeah, so I really appreciate uh, you know uh, this idea that he'll at some point if he sticks with it, he may, might be able to achieve something like that. And I think uh, when that's under control, you know, when that's advancing well and there's uh, you know just regularity to it. I think it might be a good time to uh, introduce jiu-jitsu into the picture. You know, maybe when he's a bit older, like yeah. uh, 11 or 12, somewhere like that. Yeah, my son started at 11, doing mm-hmm. both, and now he's 12. And now I'm realizing that there's a problem with that, because he's getting big. <laughs> and I realize a few more months of training of both, and he's going to be like, Dad, I need a new computer, and I'm going to have no choice. No. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be like, you're buying me a new computer, I'm choking you out and taking the credit card, so... Um, yeah. so just be, be aware of that. And it's, it's a good, it's a great problem to have. I mean, yeah. you know, it's good to know that your kids could defend themselves. Yeah. That kind of, uh, puts the mind at peace a little bit, you know, just, uh, uh, you worry a little bit less just because of that. Definitely. And, and it does just, it's an amazing confidence builder, uh, just this basis for confidence. I, I fully agree. It helps with confidence, self-esteem, yeah. boosts morale. Um, the other thing I love about any martial art. Let's be honest, and I spoke about this in my previous podcast, but gym class is an absolute joke. And if you can if you can get an adult, a child, a teenager doing three to four hours of a martial art every week, and it, it really doesn't matter what martial art. Yeah. You know, because especially maybe for a white belt, you'll go in and be like, okay, whatever. Once you start hitting those belts and you start progressing and you learn your first kata or you learn your first few basic moves in jiu-jitsu or your first hip toss in judo, it gets tough. And you're moving and you're sweating and you're thinking and you're constantly doing something. I, I think it's just phenomenal and it's something that I wish was integrated into schools. Um, I know a lot of schools, fortunately, I, you know, we live in a decent area and a lot of the schools have after-school activities. Yeah. Um, we live in a suburb where there's a community center and they offer karate there. Right. Um, so we're pretty lucky, but it's too bad there's a lot of, you know, parents that could benefit from it. Yeah. Um, going back to the intermittent fasting, did you start intermittent fasting before or after you started JITS? I started... After jujitsu, um, probably uh, two months after, because uh, it became very, very clear that uh, I was gonna have to drop weight if I was going going to enjoy jujitsu. Okay. <laughs> okay, fair enough. And now, do you recommend it to other people? Because I, I know I love when people ask me about it because I've lost a, a considerable amount of weight as well. And Looking I'm good. Thank you. Appreciate that. He's hitting on me. Um, and But more so than, than the look, when I'm bouncing around in class or even when I'm moving around uh, practicing jits, I'm, I'm just more fluid in my movement. It makes a huge difference. Yeah. Uh, totally recommend it. Um, I basically find that uh, you're more responsive, crisper. Uh, your focus seems to be a lot better uh, when you're fasted. Um, and then, again, some people take the approach of they, they don't watch what they eat necessarily uh, right. once they break their fast. 
and they do fine, from what I hear. Well, when, when I started, I was uh, a vegetarian for almost three years. Mm-hmm. And I was eating a very high carb diet because I mean you have beans and chickpeas and tofu and right. you know these are the things that you're having sweet potato and you you just you need that in your diet. And I have a love affair with barbecue chips. Mm-hmm. I love and sour cream and onion even better. But I haven't had those in months because I've gone keto. But even when I was eating a vegetarian high carb diet. And I was, you know, snacking on chips. I can't say every night, but it, it happened. The second I started giving my body that break to digest, the weight started coming off and the speed in, in training increased. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely, and I mean, big proponents of it will always tell you, and this is like uh, Peter Atia, who's often on the Joe Rogan podcast. He has his own called The Drive. Um, Rhonda Patrick, who's worked with Sachin Panda from the Salk Institute. They, they call it more time-restricted eating. Right. So you give yourself like a window. But they claim it's it's not about what you are and aren't eating. It's when. Right. Right. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Because, yeah, I mean, I've had some horrific eight-hour periods. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I wouldn't really see it on the scale. Like, I wouldn't. It's as though that 16 hours kind of forgave me. Um, not something I, I would obviously suggest you do, but it, it's is, a great first step. It is a great first step, yeah. It's, it's a great first step, and I encourage people day one, two, and three might be a little rough. Yeah. I I guess I was on a high on day one. Like, I'm <laughs> fasting. This is great, and I was fine. But day two and three, I was a miserable miser. Right. It's just awful. Right. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's not obvious, but I think. Um, Focusing on what you'll gain for that, for the expense of that moment, that misery, um, can help. Uh, I I think um, there's just something about being fasted and then having to do an activity. It just feels easier. And and that's completely contrary to uh, what I've learned. Well, it's contrary to what we've been told for the last hundred years of you need to eat breakfast and you need to eat lunch and you need to prepare before you do anything. Right. I was rolling with this uh, in jujitsu with this fellow who uh, was fasted for three days. He was just doing uh, fluids. uh, Like a water and coffee? Yeah, for religious purposes. Can't remember uh, what it was for precisely, but it was three days. He was rolling with me. Yeah, he was keeping up no problem. I wow. mean, he, he did not appear to be uh, in any kind of broken state. He was he was able to do it three days. Well, yeah, you get you get into ketosis and then your body feeds off itself, which is, I mean, th- there's a lot of science behind intermittent fasting, right. which I can get into, but there's no need. The simple idea is, hey, you're giving your body time to rest and relax and properly absorb the nutrients right. and get it to where it needs to go before you tax it again. Right. I did, this just reminded me, when I was um, rolling with uh, that person who was fasted for three days, he was telling me he was uh, very much consuming lots of water with electrolytes in it. Yeah, so, you definitely have to make sure that you're yeah. having your potassium and magnesium especially and sodium. I think a lot of people are scared of salt. I've noticed. <laughs> but um, actually, you let's talk about your potion. Mm-hmm. I call it your potion because I started drinking it and I just call it a potion. Right. But you 
are a... If you were going to create a religion, your messiah would be apple cider vinegar. <laughs> it, um, it fixes literally half It fixes the like everything, issues. yeah. Okay there, Thanos. Um, <laughs> but for, for those of you who don't know Dan, he, he walks around with a giant water bottle of water with a dash of Himalayan pink salt and a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, which I've started doing. And it's true, it curbs your hunger, it gives you what you need. Um, how did you get onto, like, where did that come from? Well, I mean, first of all, apple cider vinegar fixes literally everything. Uh, if you're dealing with skin ailments, uh, it's, to give you an idea of how serious of, of a, a food item it is, like, it's fixed baldness in people. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Uh the Himalayan pink salt uh, and apple cider vinegar combination, I actually got the idea from uh, the Thomas DeLara videos that show up on YouTube. The scientific six-pack, yeah. yeah. And uh, so I did notice that when I began fasting and drinking this this uh, enriched water, um, the headaches just disappeared. And um, I was able to fast 16 hours. And, and that, I think, was probably key. To being able to do it because otherwise I don't think I would have succeeded the headaches probably would have gotten to me and, and, and uh, now how much of that do you think is psychosomatic of oh I found something on YouTube and this guy looks great he seems to know what he's talking about so I'm drinking it and it must work or how much of it is actual I was mineral deprived um, and the main component of apple cider vinegar is acetic acid, which actually helps mobilize fat cells so your body can now feed off of it. So that would make sense as to why it curbs the hunger. Um, how quickly that works, I really don't know. But I, couldn't, I couldn't answer. I, I really wouldn't know. Uh, all I can report back is that uh, I'm a big fan of trying and seeing. And uh, it's, it works for me. Maybe it'll work for some others. It, it's definitely worked for me. Yeah. And let, let's give out the recipe. What are the, the ratios that you put? I, I'm not really solidly fixed on it. I put in a dash of Himalayan pink salt and just a little splurt of <laughs> apple cider okay. vinegar Fair and uh, about 600 mils of water. So okay, so you yeah, can I taste do... both when you're drinking it. Let's yeah, it I, I, do, I do about a liter of water in a big tub with a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar. Gotcha. And I have like one of those, you got to shake it or like twist it for the right. salt to come out so it's like one twist right yeah so like uh, my my measurement is uh, I kind of just go by taste okay if I find it too strong I kind of dial it back and uh, you want to be able to taste I think both just the, the apple cider touch, yeah. and the salt but you don't and, want it to be overwhelming either and do you use apple cider vinegar in salad dressings or anything else or typically just, not I no it's just just the potion it's mostly medicine <laughs> just medicine and, and skin ailments yep. okay uh, yeah pretty much <laughs> fair enough but uh, yeah I've never seen anyone so passionate about apple cider vinegar <laughs> in my life other than you and that's great I mean um, the one thing apple cider vinegar didn't fix and I only know this because we're good friends. Let's hear it. <laughs> but Dan made a big mistake with his jujitsu gi one day. <laughs> and he put his, his white Gracie Baja gi. Uh, it was a, what, a red like UFC shirt? Exactly. And his gi came out pink. And I get a panic text. <laughs> Ozzy, 
what fixes a pink gi? And my answer was, you buy a new gi. I mean, you don't you don't do that. You somehow did fix it, but it wasn't apple cider vinegar. Actually, it's worth stating how it was fixed. Please, let the listeners know. First of all, I tried everything under the side. Uh, bleach. Uh, what's that other product? Uh, it escapes me at the moment. OxyClean. OxyClean, thank you. Uh, I tried out the uh, RIT Color Remover, R-I-T, Color Remover, which is like, uh, RIT is a company that does color dyes, I believe. And nothing worked. And then uh, through the magic of my wonderful mother-in-law, she took uh, my ghee and used a product called uh, White, White Bright. White Bright. Yeah. And it, it's supposed to work on... All things that OxyClean doesn't work on. Wow. Okay. So I believe that's... Because I, I love OxyClean, especially when you get the little yellow sweat marks around the tip of the ghee. You put a little bit of OxyClean and comes out like spank and clean. Right. But I've never heard of anyone fixing a, uh, a made pink. Yeah. That was... Uh, I was resorting... I, I did buy another ghee, by the way. Okay. <laughs> I, this is hush money to me. I may as well just buy another ghee and not deal with the teasing because... Yeah, well, for sure. You show up with a pinky, you're getting choked. Yeah, pretty much. There's no... Uh... And, uh, yeah, so uh, we fixed up the ghee and it looks great. It's actually pretty pretty much 100% white now. Nice. So I'm really surprised by that. Yeah. Oh, now you have to bring your mother-in-law to class. <laughs> I was stunned. <laughs> I, I can imagine. I can imagine. I've never ever, and my mother, especially when I was younger, she cleaned a lot of dirty geese. Uh, she saved, when I was doing country Campo, the geese were black. She saved a lot of black geese from going gray. Um, she's taken yellow stains and blood stains out of geese. Um, but I've never ever seen anyone get like a, a dye bled gee turned back to white. I looked online for hours. I could not find any solutions other than the ones I had tried. Your mother-in-law can open a whole new business <laughs> and make a touch because it happens a lot. Yeah. The, the, this does happen. Yeah. You know, that's a whole new uh, marketing strategy. A lot of desperate people online saying, help, my ghee is now mint green or baby blue. And or... then Nona Romano could just be like, here, I, I, I got the fix. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Did yeah. you try apple cider vinegar? I didn't know you didn't okay did but uh, you know I, I deserve that <laughs> I deserve that even my neighbors uh, they get me all the time so yeah just apply apple cider vinegar to you know the broken car axle I don't know there you go or fix your garage that way yeah uh, is there an apple cider vinegar brand or, or something that you recommend uh, my understanding is uh, Bragg seems to be the de facto standard yeah they're like the Ferrari of yeah I, I typically buy that one there, Bragg's. B, it's Bragg's? Bragg, uh, B-R-A-G-G. G-G, right. Yeah, that one seems to be pretty good. Uh, but yeah, it's just make sure you get the, the stuff that is uh, organic, uh, unpasteurized. Unpasteurized, cold-pressed. Cold-pressed uh, with the mother, M-O-T-H-E-R, in quotes. That's the ingredient, apparently. So, yeah, that seems to be a good setup. Nice. Um I know, apple cider vinegar fixes it, man. <laughs> it's, it's insane. You remind me of the uh, the uncle who cleaned everything with Windex in the big fat Greek wedding. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> exactly <laughs> that guy. <laughs> it's apple cider vinegar. <laughs> I um, should put it in a Windex bottle. <laughs> yeah, yeah you may as well. Access. Freak your neighbor out. Oh my God, he changed. Uh, so what are your... Um, 
we're, we're kind of going to wind down here because I know you have to go. And I, I really appreciate you coming on to the you. podcast. And I, I know the listeners will enjoy this. But where do you go now? What's your next step, uh, jujitsu-wise, uh, dietary? Where where do you see yourself developing? Where are you going from here? Uh, I would say improving stamina. When I first started jujitsu, uh, it was difficult just getting through the warm-ups. I think a lot of people have that story uh, where just getting through the warm-ups are tricky. Uh, and then you're through the warm-ups, but you're kind of destroyed and you can't really focus for the rest of the class. And then at some point, the warm-ups get easier. You start getting through the technique phases and then you're, you can't really do more than one round and there's three or four rounds to do. And you're just kind of improving your stamina. And so I've noticed that the more I work at it, the more I learn to pace, the better I can endure all of these tests. And so that's the goal, really, endure more tests. One of the things that um, jiu-jitsu coaches always uh, talk about is you have to figure out how to be um, at peace with the discomfort. Right. that's like I I find it really fascinating at how those words kind of transcend past jujitsu too like it's you know valuable in your personal life absolutely to learn how to become uh, you know comfortable when you're uncomfortable not comfortable but definitely um, you know not panicking breathing focusing thinking uh, and not just shutting down you know, you have a 250-pound man uh, lying down on top of you and you're finding it hard to breathe, it's easy to panic and just tap and give up. And uh, so this is all about learning what are my options. Don't panic. Breathe. What can I do here? Oh, I don't know. Just don't stay flat on your back for, for starters. And, you know, so just improving on technique, improving on pacing myself and... Uh, and, um, and, you know, next thing you know, you're doing double classes, which nice. blows my mind. <laughs> no, that's awesome, though. You, that's something to be proud of. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's very much uh, unbelievable if, for me, you know. Nice. So. Do you ever see yourself doing another martial art? Uh, not for the foreseeable future I don't want to say no but okay. not for the foreseeable future for now I think I'm knee deep in, in jiu jitsu well if you're doing two hour classes here you're more than knee deep in there and uh, keep those elbows safe yes sir keep rolling happy thanks again for coming on the show it was my absolute pleasure to have Thank you here brother. appreciate it and uh, hopefully we can do this again absolutely cheers man cheers